welcome back to another episode of the Hip Hop Social Worker Podcast. <clears throat> I'm your host, Christopher Scott. And today I got a special guest all the way from Cali, uh, my man Willis Cooks. Yes, uh, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we connected on, um, I followed him on, on Instagram and seeing he was a social worker, really doing the same thing that I'm out here doing, you know, uh, therapy, and he has his own, uh, you know, talk show. So, but he'll he get into that a little later. But right now, I'm going to have him uh, introduce himself. Go, go ahead. Yeah, man. Like you said, man, Willis, uh, Los Angeles to be exact. Mm. Um, Los Angeles to be exact, man. So just like he is, man, I'm doing a, a social worker therapy. Um, I know, I remember reading up on, and, and you don't know this, but I remember reading up on you and some of the things you went to, and correct me if I'm wrong, but for you, you started off as a barber and then you started working with kids, I believe, in a detention center? Uh, well, um, that was a little later. Um I was a barber, and then I was uh, working with some kids in, like, in the community, like, a, for um, a day camp, you know. Okay, okay. And then that turned into working in the yeah, in, in, yeah. In the juvie. Okay, cool. So it was with the kids. That was my thing. Um, because that's how, I, for me, that's where it started as well, particularly working with kids. Um, in terms of, like, my experience and what I'm doing right now, I'm doing a little bit of like everything, uh, do private practice, um, therapy and, um, therapist in a psych psychiatric hospital, behavioral health hospital, uh, I do private therapy as well, but working with the kids and the children is kind of one of the things that kind of started me off on this, on this kind of therapeutic social worker path solely because I was seeing how they was being treated, mm -hmm. um, and the certain things that was going on and because I related to a lot of those kids i felt as if i would have been like one of the main ones to be effective in their life as much as possible so yeah okay yeah that sounds <clears throat> sound pretty similar you know what i'm saying I, I knew um once i was working in the juvie you know i seen a dude who was a therapist and he was like hey you should you, you should probably get into this because there ain't a lot of people who look like you that's doing therapy yeah. and when i realized that you know how how important you know the therapist's word is you know what i'm saying inside the system and if ain't nobody really like understanding where you coming from and understanding you know just you know what it's like you know what I'm saying to be a person of color um it's, right. it's it's not really a fair shake so you know that, you know that's why I got into it you know what I'm saying so uh so thanks for giving us um a little bit about your background but you want to like um and maybe give a little more, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, why social work or like, you know, why social work in general? You know, so like, well, I know like why therapy, but you know, you know, why yeah. social work in general? Well, like, yeah, even like, and I say this a lot of the times, like in grad school, I didn't want to be even. Yeah, I would just until up until I finished graduate school, um, I didn't want to be a therapist. Just the whole wanting to be a therapist thing is is new. Mm -hmm. um, but social work in general. Um, social work in general, I really chose social work, the field of social work is because um, I was raised in a foster care system, um, raised in a foster care system. I was adopted um, at birth. I was adopted at, well, I wasn't adopted at birth, but I was raised in a group home. Yeah. I was raised in a group home and then the individual who was over the group home just adopted a lot of the children that was in that group home. Um, so damn near like the first half of my life was spent within a foster care system and I dealt with a lot of social workers. So when I went to college, um, the director of the social work, the school of social work, I went to, I did my undergrad at Clark Atlanta university. Mm -hmm. And then the director of the school of social work, she kind of just pitched it in the right way. And I didn't know what I wanted to do at that time. So I was like, you know, forget it. Why not? I, I know social workers. Yeah. I had to deal with social workers my whole life. Let me just deal with it or, chose a major just because I didn't really know what else to pick. Yeah. And that's kind of just what it was. But initially it's always been, um, I want to work in a foster care system mm -hmm. only because that's what I'm familiar with. Like I said, I was raised in a foster care system. Um, and because I was raised in a foster care system, that caused me to be like homeless and sell drugs and do all of this, uh, this stuff in order to survive. Um, I was in, I would, say I've been damn near in survival mode my whole life. And a lot of us as black men and black women are always in survival mode. So, yeah. you know, that was the one thing that caused me to really want to be a part of the field because I was raised in 
I was raised in foster care and the, the director pitched it to me the right way, but my love for it grew once I got into graduate school um, and once I started to work with the children. Not on the foster care side, I kind of got away from wanting to work within a, on the foster care side of social work only because that's a different political game that I'm not really, you know, mm-hmm. really just, just want to play, you know, because it's not really too much you could do. Um, because of the politics and the policies that go along with it comes to the foster care. But um, I was really introduced to the clinical side of social work because I started to work in a um, a residential treatment center. Mm-hmm. Um, in a residential treatment center, for those who don't know, it's kind of like a, uh, a place to where, you know, children would go, foster kids would go if... They're trying as as a holding ground to see if they can get placement to go to another foster care, or you know, um, they're going in there to receive certain treatment because they've been they've been in juvenile halls a few times, or they have some form of mental disorder. It's a few type of places, but you know, I was doing work at a residential treatment center. And a lot of the, all of these children were diagnosed with some form of mental health. Yeah. That was my first introduction into mental health and mental illness. Um, but what I started to see was with these children taking these medications how the medications would drastically change their behavior. Mm-hmm. That kind of opened my door up to the more mental health and the clinical side of it because I just didn't like the way the kids was acting. Like, they was cool. It was really all good, super fun and energetic. But once they get put on these medications, like, their whole personality just die out. Yeah. Uh, but even in that form, right, that was just, okay, let me figure out what I could do in order to uh, help this out on the clinical side. I wasn't really into therapy up until um, I got back out here to L.A. Um, in 2017. Yeah. yeah, 2017. Only because in grad school, um, they was pitching therapy, but I didn't like the way they were pitching therapy. It was more so in the box and you got to do it this way. I'm in class reading these books like this ain't going to work for the homie in the hood. And this ain't going to work. Like, yeah. So I was like, nah, I'm not really. And that's what I thought therapy was. That's at that time. That's what I thought therapy was. So I was really like, nah, I'm not messing with it. But once I got out here, and once I started working, I started to really see, okay, you can really turn therapy into whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Um, it just really depends on how you're going to pitch it, and you know what's your rapport with your <clears throat> client or your patient. Mm-hmm. So once I began to understand that, I was like, oh shoot, I'm going to take this and do whatever I want to do with it because. I know I know what I'm doing. I know I'm not doing it for the wrong reasons. I just had to make it fit for me. Um, and I'm still working on figuring out, trying to make it fit for me. That's why I do so much. Yeah. You know, I work in a, I work in a psychiatric hospital. I work in a regular medical hospital. I do private, private practice. And I also, you know, do therapy for, um, for children within a, within a uh, rehab center, right? For adolescents within a re- rehab center. So okay. I do a lot, a lot of other places only because I'm just trying to soak up all the information that I can now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where I'm at with everything, with therapy, social work, and just trying to make this thing go. I feel that. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm on the same boat. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm pretty new into, like, the therapeutic model. Like, I've been working with kids yeah. for a long time. But as far as, like, you know, how, you know, documentation's done and you know what auditors want to see i'm pretty new to that so really um yeah yeah and that's really the difference like and that's what i've noticed really is difference like we it's just the documentation piece that we got to get used to but that's not going to be hard to grasp but the therapy we low-key kind of been doing that our whole lives yeah you know with with the kids you've been working with with even which is just even with you just being a barber you know we've all been therapists within our own right (laughs) We were just never following some type of like model. Yeah, yeah. In Oregon, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if this is everywhere, but uh, when they do audits, I just I just learned about something called the Golden Thread. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and that's how that's all. So it must be everywhere. So, uh, but so my uh, supervisor kind of she broke it down. You know, what I'm saying to where it was real simple. She said. You know, the golden thread is, of course, you know, like when they read the treatment plans, you know, uh, in the assessments and the diagnosis, it all should make sense. Like it all should kind of like weave in together like, a, you know, like a thread. I was like, all yeah, right, yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense, you know, but 
but but there's certain things like that I don't like about um you know doing private practice or 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 you know um having a bill insurance is that you got to diagnose you know so it's like so like okay this kid might have had some trauma or this person might have had some trauma but you know but they're not really um like you know like like I mean you know they're not really on the you know on like you know like on the scale of PTSD you know what I'm saying but they might still yeah. need treatment but at the same time like well if they ain't like sick enough I can't give them treatment you know so there ain't really yeah. no pre pre um you know like like like, like, like there's no preemptive like things it's like it's like you got to be sick and then I could treat you or I can't treat you at all. So that's one thing I don't like yep. about it. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, the insurance the insurance needs something to be able to bill. So they're going to need some type of diagnosis on there. Mm-hmm. You obviously still can do therapy, but it would have to be like cash only. Yeah. Um, but even still, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan. I always have to tell people that, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with being diagnosed. Yeah. Um, only because, uh, only one, because of my experience within working in a psychiatric hospital, it's uh, it's not it, it's in order for certain people to certain people need it, right? Yeah. Certain people want to be able to put a label on what they're going through, right? Yeah. It's like if you were constantly coughing, if you was constantly going through something physically, and you didn't know what it was, that would alarm you. You wouldn't know where to start. So mm-hmm. diagnosing is just diagnosing and, and coming up with the name, whether it's depression or, you know, some form of personality disorder, some form of psychotic disorder. It's nothing more but a name in order to figure out, okay, this is where we should start at. Like you have a cold. Okay, we're going to start with this cold. So we're going to start with cold-like symptoms. Mm-hmm. You have depression. Okay, it's not worth not labeling depression. You don't have, you're not a depressed person. You're just an individual with depression. And that's the difference. Like we don't want to personalize the um, diagnosis. And I think that's what a lot of people do because we feel as if, because it's a mental disorder, it's so ingrained it embodies, you know, who we are when that's not the case. Yeah. You know, you can go in and out of depression, just like you can go in and out of a cold, yeah. you know, you can go in and out of the anxiety, just like you can go in and out of the fever. Like, you know, they're both go hand in hand, but at the end of the day, it's just, a tagline or a marker that is used for insurance companies to build and for therapists and certain psychiatrists to figure out where we should start at. And even yourself, you know, you're going to feel a little bit more comfortable knowing you have just depression versus schizophrenia. Yeah. You know? True. So it's, I, I, I feel as if us within black America, you know, African-Americans, black folks, we don't want to do it because we're going to label ourselves when we look at it as crazy. But at the same token, we need to figure out where we're going to start at. Yeah. That makes, yeah. that makes good sense. You know what I'm saying? That's, yeah. I mean, the, you can't break down no simpler than that. You know what I'm saying? Cause you, you gotta yeah. know. And like you said, you know, I, I, I would rather know that I got depression than schizophrenia. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For real. You know, you know, something is up, but you stuck trying to figure out what is up. So, just yeah. figure it out what it is. That don't necessarily mean you got to take medication. That don't necessarily mean none of that. But it's going to ease your mind a little bit. <clears throat> it's going to ease your mind a little bit knowing where you're at. Yeah. So are you in the licensure process in uh yeah. in L.A.? So, yeah. California is uh, one of them weird licensing places. So in California, um, it's like two steps. So the first step is uh, getting your registration number. Okay. Um. It's initially called like the ASW or ACSW, Associate Clinical Social Worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within that, you have to do supervision. Like, I'm sure you got to do supervision yep. out there in Oregon. And <laughs> yep. every other social worker is trying to get their license. They got to do supervision. But the hours vary, you know, for state. Um, I don't know what it is like for Oregon, but in California, what you have to do is you have to take two tests. You have to take a law and ethics test, and then you have to take a um, 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 a clinical test. Yeah, but you're not able to take that clinical test until you get your hours. Your hours, you have to get three thousand supervised hours, and you have to be supervised for fifty-two weeks, for yeah. two months. I mean, two years. Sorry, mm-hmm. for two years. So it's a it's a lengthy, lengthy process. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. Oregon. Uh, except for ours is twenty five hundred supervised hours, and um, I think thirty five hundred total working hours. Damn. In a hundred, a hundred supervised hours. Like, well, well, a hundred. So like, 
so like twenty five. So hold on, it's like twenty five hundred direct client hours, three thousand hours like total. You know what I'm saying? And then okay. uh, and then um one hundred supervised hours, and half of that okay. can be group, but the other half has to be um you know one on one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Our three thousand hours, yeah, our three thousand hours is broke up in a certain field, a certain areas. Like you gotta get a certain amount of hours here, a certain amount of hours there, but. In total, they actually just lowered it from thirty-two hundred to three thousand. Okay. Um. So, like, I'll be done with my um hours towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I still have to take that first test, that long essays test. I plan on actually taking that in in July, but I'll be done with that really, really soon. Yeah, in Oregon, it's like you, I think it's the same kind of two years if you do it if you're working full time. It should be two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just in the realm of getting in the realm of kind of private practice. Uh, I mean, it's not all the way private. I contract with somebody who has an LCSW. Yeah. So, so we split. You know, what I'm saying, um, it's like a fifty fifty split. But uh, you know, but but at the same time, it is private because you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm booking my own sessions and I'm in the community too. Like you know, it's like you like I go to houses and schools and things like that. So what kind of things the private practice, you know what I'm saying, have you dealt with? So particularly in terms so when it comes to private practice, my client base when for the private practice is not as um like as strenuous as my clients in the psych hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh so my in private practice I kind of look at that as a little break compared to my clients in a psych hospital. Okay. So so the clients in the private practice more so individuals, working class individuals, um, probably like mid-income type of individuals uh, who just have depression. Mm-hmm. Just depression or anxiety or just typical life stuff. There's nothing too nothing too major, you know. Um, maybe dealing with the death, maybe dealing with, you know, anxiety at work. Yeah. Maybe dealing with, you know, life problems, you know, just the majority of the lines is strictly depression and anxiety. And I'm not in a community like you say you are. Mm-hmm. Like you say you are for your private practice. Um, I have an office. Well, it's, it's like you. I can't have a private practice, but the private practice is ran under someone, or well, two people in particular, but two individuals who own a private practice. Mm-hmm. And myself and, you know, a group of other therapists work for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, so that's the client base for that. And like I said, that one is more so kind of chill. But that gives me the ability to really practice um, those therapeutic skills along the lines of a specific uh, modality, whether it's uh, CBT or whether it's DBT. Um, that's <clears throat> that's cognitive behavioral therapy, and then is it dialectical dialect behavioral therapy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, you know, along certain modalities, along certain things, the private practice gives me that because I'm not as on my feet as I am within the psychiatric hospital. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's what's up. Um, so, yeah, I was just thinking because, like, you know, this, like, I mean, I thought about doing, like, that full time, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, getting, like, 25 clients and because uh, my supervisor is, like, booked, you know, she's... You know, you know, because our model is so unique. You know, what I'm saying people just want to yeah. send us clients. So she was like, "Well, like however, however, however much you want to work, you can work." But at the same time, it's like you know, I don't want to be having that stress of like dealing with you know no shows and all that kind of stuff. And you know, like you know, like I like I feel like like um, having like too many of those might make it personal. <laughs> you know, what really? I'm saying? you know, so yeah. so. Yeah. So like, and then you also want to make sure your your personal caseload isn't too big. Cause if it gets too much, you're not fully going to be able to assist them as best as you can. Yeah, so that's so that's why I think I'm a, you know, what I'm saying like I said, um, I just got hollered at uh to work at a at a psych hospital. So I think I'm gonna do. I probably gonna try to do both of those. You know, just to get my hustle yeah. on. Yeah, man. I thoroughly, man. As you went that stage of really uh like getting your hours and stuff. I thoroughly recommend you use that to really, you know, hone in on those certain experiences. Like I said, I have, I currently have four jobs and all of those four jobs are in different areas of social work. So if you're doing a private practice and then with you being, you know, working in a psychiatric hospital, 
Those yeah. are that's still social work. That's still therapy, but it's two completely different sides. You know, so you can mesh it a little bit, but the population that you're working with is extremely different, especially yeah. if you're dealing with very acute and very psychotic patients. So it can get it can get a little tricky, but it's something that's going to strengthen your skills as a therapist. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's real. That is real, and that was my idea for it. It's like you know, because after I, I had a job with the school district, uh, I got yeah. laid off. But uh, I was thinking like, okay, so my next job really got to really prepare me to be uh, like a you know, like a, somebody who's like just just who's who's comfortable, you know, saying with the mental health talk. I've always been comfortable yeah. with it, but but at the same time, it's like you really want to be like a person. Like if you're in a room. You know what I'm saying? Full of like know it alls. You know what I'm saying? You want to stand tall still. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's how I, that's how I felt about that. Um, so like, what yeah. kind of things um influence your practice? Um, well, like I said, the practice is owned by uh by two other individuals, but the things that more so I guess influence me, um, and the way I work with the patients that I do, I always have to go back and make sure that um when I'm not compromising who I am, yeah. Um, not even just as a therapist, but just as a man. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that if I don't believe that, what I mean by that, I'm trying to make sure I say this right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to not, when it comes to making sure that I don't compromise who I am, I'm always trying to make sure I don't become the therapist that isn't me. You know, I'm not finna act like I'm the therapist that's super like home and <laughs> like super like the old school, you know, white stereotypical therapist. Like, no, yeah, I'm gonna be Willis. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the type of person I am. My personality is gonna show, and I don't like therapy to be super duper sad. And we're not finna just be sitting here talking about depression and suicide all mm-hmm. day, every session. Like, no, nah, that's not only draining for you as a patient, but it's draining for me as a therapist. Like, for real. Therapy, therapists love to really speak about those things, but a therapist is lying if they say that they sometimes do not get drained by the stories that their clients are telling them. Mm-hmm. So within a lot of my sessions, I try to make it a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more chill, um, a little bit more understanding. Obviously, we're hitting those key points and we're hitting those things that need to be hit. Yeah. But that's not every single session, like not doing that. And um, I just allow myself to just be me because if I be, that's, that's for me, that's the only way I can be able to do it. If I'm not comfortable, I'm not really going to be able to be as effective for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I make sure I stand when it comes to like not compromising, I guess, who I am as a person, making sure I am me first within that therapy session. Then obviously, you know, being as, empathetic as much as possible but you know those types those type of stuff comes with it when it comes to a therapist like that type of stuff is mandatory um the rapport the empathy all of that stuff is mandatory but for me what's most important is making sure that my, my personality is shown within therapy and yeah. we're not just sitting there bored and crying all the time yeah. nah i just think this ain't that type of therapy just not at all yeah, I feel that. That's the same reason yeah. why I, I got into it. To like, well, that's what what kind of what I that's what I do. It's like I can't, you know, what I'm saying like I just I just can't really do anything that's not feeling comfortable. You know, what I'm saying because your people could, you know, your clients could see that. It's like like, fam, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying like like, yeah, you, for real. like, are you sure you, you this is the right one? You know, so. But I know um, I work with a lot of teenagers. You, you know, like my private practice and. I I think they like the idea that I'm close to their age, well, you know, a little bit, and the fact that you know, like that, I kind of speak like them, and I'm just authentic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I ain't telling them nothing that that's not like, you know, like that ain't real. You know what I'm saying? Like me, like you, yeah. you, you know, part of my like, um, you know, thing is like, okay, I'm a realist. You know what I'm saying? If you want to do X Y Z, okay, this is the consequences of X Y Z. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I I can't really tell you what you know, like what you should or shouldn't do. Cause I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna stress out about you know what I'm saying yeah. how you live your life, yeah. but at the same time, you know, you got goals, yeah. we got goals, so here's a, here's the best practice, you know, and yeah, you know, you're gonna so. help them understand, you're gonna help them understand that, you know, even, I'm not gonna tell you what to do, 
I'm just going to let you know that the choices that you're making, these are the possibilities going to come out with those choices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's fine. Whatever you choose is what you choose, but understand, one of these things is going to happen. It may not always be bad. You're not always going to go to jail if you sold drugs. Like, I've sold drugs before. I've never been to jail. Um, you're not always going to get locked up when, like, this type of stuff happens. However, you're not immune to the system just yeah. because you think you cool for right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's that's for real. I just had an assessment like that the other day. This kid... I don't even know if I can diagnose him. I might have to tell my supervisor, like, hey, I don't know if I can. I don't know. Like, he might have to go back to the drawing board because he just thought he was too cool and he wasn't saying nothing. So I was like, well, I mean, I can't make up something, you know what I'm saying, for you. But, uh, you know. Yeah, but they kids, you know, kids, kids always need a um that little extra push. Yeah. You know, kids, just, you got, how I look at it is, us as adults are just now getting used to therapy. Mm-hmm. Kids damn sure not going to teach you that. No time soon. <laughs> That's real. Um, yeah, no time soon. Because they already have their own personal things that they're dealing with. And they damn sure don't know how to talk to their personal issues. Because we don't even, as adults, we don't even know anything. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to kids, like you got to have the ultimate amount of patience. Yeah. And work where they're at. Like, you can't push them to try to persuade them into coming any further because they're just going to walk away. They're just going to back off. They're just going to shut down. So when it comes to kids, it's just like, we got to take our time and this and that and let that kid know that you're not going to leave them because all they care about is just, okay, how long are you going to be here? Mm-hmm. You know, how long are you going to be here? So no matter if you're corny or what, as long as the kid know you're consistent when it yeah. comes to their own personal well-being, they'll begin to open up. Yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in our community, the African American community seems to be nationwide. We are just now getting to used to the, uh, you know, into the mental health talk. You know, what I'm saying yeah. um, it's just now become becoming, uh, you know, like a lot of our celebrities are starting to open up. Um, you know, uh, but I feel like I feel like overall there's still some kind of underlying issue that. You know, we can't seem to just kind of like go all in and really understand how important therapy and like or just, you know, mental health maintenance is in general. Um, you know, how important it is to our overall health, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is a contributing factor you know, to the stigma, you know, to the, um, you know, the mental health in, you know, to, um, our community? Well, I mean, us as black people, um, we're a very historic people. What I mean by that is like our history mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, our history mean a lot. And when we're one of the only, not one of the only, I believe we're the only group of people that are, that get looked down upon when we try to bring up our history. We look, we, we look like we're being, we, people try to make us feel guilty when we try to bring up our trauma. People try to make mm. us feel guilty when we try to bring up our history. People try to make us feel guilty when we bring up when we bring up the things that we've went through, you know, as people. Yeah. But when any other group of people bring up their history, it's oh, I applaud you and you've made it through this and you've made it and blah 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 and all this extra stuff. So that gives them the ability to be a little bit more comfortable to speak about you know, their own personal issues and how their history affects them. Us, on the other hand, because we're because we're getting those negative feedbacks, not only from people outside of the group, but people within our group as well, we don't want to talk about our issues. We don't want to talk about how the stuff that went on 100 years ago or 50 years ago has affected us. We don't want to do that. And because we don't want to do that, we've learned how to really hold that in, we've learned to really um, hide that. And that carries us through generation through generation, and then that generational trauma is there. Uh, So the stigma when it comes to mental health, particularly when it comes to, you know, Black Americans here in this country, because I can't really speak about it with, you know, in other countries, but particularly when it comes to Black Americans here within this country, I believe it's more so because, you know, historically, We've been looked down upon and historically and, and currently, 
you know, we're put in a negative light when we try to bring up how our history or how our ancestors were treated by, you know, whites, by white folks. Yeah. Um, so that causes us to not even want to speak about our own issues. And then it's easy to not speak about your issues if this is something that you're used to for X amount of years, mm-hmm. you know. So, like you said, you know, the, the conversations around mental health is really, really big and it's really, really um, being spoken about now. I thoroughly appreciate the fact that it's out there. I always say that, you know, I believe mental health right now is being spoken about from, you know, left and right from everyone, but I believe it's a trend. Um, however, I'm just glad that people are speaking about it. Yeah. Whether people are speaking about it in a negative way, whether be, whether people are speaking about it in a positive way, whether people, even if people don't know what the hell they're talking about, the <laughs> fact that the fact that the conversation is being had is what matters. Let's deal with fixing the conversation on the other end. At least you're willing to open your mouth. So that goes back into just us as black folks. Even though sometimes we may not even know how to talk about our own personal feelings. Yeah. At least we're trying. Yeah. You know. So it's just about how you trying as a person. You may not know what you're saying. At least try and just get it out there. Yeah. Just a little bit. Even if you don't feel like it's getting all of it out, a little bit goes a long way, man. Yeah, that's real. Um, you know, like I always when um people always, you know, uh they, they want to come to me and be like, So how do I even start, you know, this process? It's like, well, you know, you ain't gotta you ain't gotta um say everything at once, you know, uh just say a little bit, you know, or just just say how you feeling today. You mm-hmm. know, just you know, or just say Maybe, you know, uh, and then we can go from, you know, then we can maybe go circle back to, okay, so what brought you here? You know, mm-hmm. so so let's think about something that happened in the past. You know, like it's yeah. it's, it's really, there's, there's no rush. It's no race. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, um, I know that, like there's things that, like, that I tell myself um, because I, you could, you know, like when you win this for some odd reason, well, I know, I know why, but I mean, like in our in our country, you know, what I'm saying we get like this um, productivity, you know, like you know, thing going on where we want to like do stuff efficiently and kind of quick, you know. Therapy is the opposite of that, you know. So yeah. like, so like when I have a session where it might seem like the person is, um, you know, re- regressing or you know they're stalling, but it's like, okay, so where were they at six months ago? Where were they at last yeah. week? Where were they at? You know, so. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, it's really just like a slow kind of, it's like, you know, like it's a slow burn. And, yeah. you know, but so, but yeah, so yeah, I, I always got to remind myself that, that, you know, um, if they showing up, then they doing something right. You know what I'm exactly. saying? They, At least they showing up. They yeah. Stay you know, yeah, really. You know what I'm saying? They can be like, nah, I ain't, I ain't doing that today. You feel me? So, yeah, that's what's up. Uh, thanks for that answer. So, um, like I said, I seen you on Instagram when I, when I first was starting my little uh, hip hop social worker thing, and you and you on a network called the Good News Radio. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, now that to me that was like, is that all like social work, or is it all like kind of like? Nope. So oh. what it is, what it is, and shout out to my man Keith, man. He's the one that owns it all. So what it is, the Good News Network is a network of radio shows and podcasts that is here based in L.A. Okay. Um, Keith, the man who's over it, he's all about ex- ex- exclusivity. Mm-hmm. I can never get that word right. I feel you. But his main goal is to, um, um, you know, on his own radio station. Yeah. Right? So what he does is he individuals who have podcasts or individuals who he knows, um, you know, will be good into it. It brings them on and he gives them their own radio show. Um, and, you know, he blessed me with the opportunity to have it. Um, in the beginning, I was like, no. Mm-hmm. Only because naturally an introverted person. Mm. Um, I'm not really good with putting my pictures out there. And 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 I I don't have any, like, experience speaking on the mic or none of that, right? Yeah. So I was like, no. But even more so, what I've had to realize is that because I didn't have any experience, that was the exact reason to do it. It's like, I couldn't fail. You know, mm. if I failed and it didn't come out right, it was just like, well, I ain't had no experience, so forget it, you yeah. know? But if it come out right and I do good, hey, it's even more better because I didn't have the experience. So it gave me the opportunity to start at zero. So no matter what, I was going to win, regardless if it worked or not. But I just understood that, you know, 
I'm not going to say anything that I don't believe in when it comes to, you know, speaking. I know that if I if if there's a mic put in front of me, I could speak fairly well. Yeah. You know, so why not give it a shot? So you know, it's 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 all of the shows are not on that. The mental health tip, but that's my show that is on it. And, and, and what I do is on that show, it's kind of like what I said in terms of how I approach therapy. I don't want it to be boring and we're not going to be sitting here talking about depression and yeah. having sad stories. Like all of that stuff is going to get hit. The thing is, like, there's more than there's two sides to mental health. There's more to mental health than just depression, than just suicide, than just schizophrenia. Like, if you're living a happy and and and, and dynamic and positive and, and just a fruitful life, mm-hmm. like you're living through a a positive uh, mental health. Your mental health is strong. Your mental mm-hmm. well-being is good. You know, it's important that we speak, on, speak about mental health on both ends of the spectrum, yeah. not just the other side, but just how a positive mental health and how a positive well-being will be able to work for you. Okay. And your show is called Chill World Radio, right? So it's called Chill World Radio, man, only because one, my name is Willis. Um, two, chill, because I'm just naturally a chill dude. Uh, yeah, I'm just naturally a chill dude. I'm not the loud, extra type of person. It's just Chill World Radio, man. So yeah, and it's live. It's every Sunday, 6 o'clock um, Pacific time, you know, and, and a lot of people ask why they're going to Chill World Radio, why not the podcast, why radio or whatever, only because I like to look at radio and podcasts, two different things. Um, that radio show is like completely live. So if I mess up on there, mm-hmm. it's stuck. It's not coming. Ooh. No. Yeah, Ooh. it's not like a podcast <laughs> where it can be edited out. No. It's like <laughs> what I say on there is like me and you, you know, that person who was in front of me, what, what comes out comes out, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's no going back. There's no editing it. It's like, you know, it's live. People can call in. People can comment. We have a chat room there. People can call in, comment. And if you say something stupid, people can get on your ass. Yeah. You know? Okay. So it's, 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 that's why I prefer to say, you know, radio versus the podcast. Because honestly, podcasts are more so. They're edited to a certain extent, um, but a lot of them are pre-recorded. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we got something like that in Portland called KBU. It's community, yeah. it, it, it's a community radio station, you know what I'm saying? And you can actually use the studio if you go and like learn some, uh, you know, some of their lessons. You know, they have like uh, different classes that we like, uh, like every so often. You go in there, you learn how to do the equipment, and then they just, then you can just sign up and use the equipment. So yeah, but that's tight though. I mean, that's that's definitely sound like some LA stuff right there. You know, the good news radio. <laughs> you know, this. I mean, I, I just feel like you just step off the plane in LA and you got like an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Now, you, that could you, be you, my you, yeah. naiveness. You, you know, <laughs> you do, but LA is you. You have to work for it. Like nobody's just gonna. The opportunities are there, but you actually gotta go and um work for it. And people want to see like, okay, you want it why should we give them to you? Because yeah. there's, there's a bunch of people out here that's doing a lot of the same stuff, especially with a lot of the folks that's trying to act mm-hmm. and sing and do music and all this other stuff. And like, what makes you stand out amongst the crowd? And, you know, you come out here, it's there. You just got to work for it. It's expensive as hell, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, way too much. Yeah. I could, man, I feel like Portland getting that way. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but y'all yeah. always going to be five steps ahead of Portland. So... <laughs> You know, y'all always gonna have that on us. Yeah. You know. As long as it works for you, that's all that matters. Sometimes I be thinking to myself, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can feel that. But uh, I was the same way um, when I started Hip Hop Social Worker. I would, I was not about having my picture nowhere, speaking, you know what I'm saying? Like, I still hardly, like, like I still really, like, if I do a video... I ain't watching that video. I just got somebody else edited. Like I just trust you to do do me right. You know what I'm saying? I just yeah. I, I you know, so so I definitely can understand like how how it is, you know what I'm saying, to be a person who's who's naturally intro, introverted. I don't wanna say like I'm a hundred percent introverted, but I'm definitely like if I could just chill somewhere and not have to like, you know, be out and about, I I I'm probably gonna make that choice, you know what I'm saying, you yeah, know, okay. to chill. But I realized that 
when I was in grad school, you know what I'm saying, I was really impressed by these people that was coming and speaking to us and, and people like, you know, knew their work and they had so many like good things to say and they were just respected like amongst their colleagues and intellectuals. And I was yeah. like, well, Chris, you ain't gonna get there if you ain't, you know, like if you ain't about that action. So yeah. you, you know, gotta put yourself out there, correct. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, so and it's and it's a way to do it. Like for me, um for me, what I've noticed is that I prefer video over photos. Okay. Um, not a photogenic person. I don't like taking photos. Even on my Instagram, there's more videos than there are photos. Mm-hmm. Only because for me, I'm looking at it as once you take that picture, you're stuck. Like that's it. If you have a messed up picture, that picture is messed up forever. Yeah. But with the video, it's like you say something stupid. Okay, cool. You instantly got a chance to redeem yourself afterwards. Mm-hmm. True. Um, true. But, it, but for me, it's like you know. When I'm out or when I'm speaking or when I'm doing this live show or when I'm doing group therapy, I'm nervous when I'm doing it. However, I always have to understand that uh, you're not going to say nothing stupid. You're not going to say nothing that you don't believe in. So, you know, do what you can to the best of your ability. Yeah. However it comes out is how it comes out. I've learned to just understand how to just deal with the consequences when they come. Mm-hmm. So... However it comes out is how it comes out. If it come out trash, then hey, it came out trash. At yeah. least you did your best. Yeah. You know, but I always have to recharge. So whenever I go do something, I always have to leave and just go be myself and recharge my system because I get I get drained very, very quickly when mm-hmm. I'm out and about doing, you know, public type of things. Yeah. Okay. That's a good segue to speak about self care. You know, in this field we get burnt. Yeah. We get, you know, we get torn. We get, we just get left, mm-hmm. you know. Saying sometimes we get left, just, just, just laying there, like, man, that was. It was a hard day today, hard week, hard months. Yep. You know, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, what do you do for self care? Uh shoot, I do a lot of different things, um, but my main self care right now is just working out. Okay. Um, only because I'm naturally an aggressive person. Mm. Uh, yeah, only I'm naturally an aggressive person, um, and I don't believe in controlling your anger. I don't believe in controlling your aggression. I believe in maintaining it. I believe in understanding how to utilize it. So for me, when it comes to my aggression and when it comes to my anger, while I utilize it, it's just going to the gym and lifting mm-hmm. very, very heavy weights, like okay. as much as possible. Um, I do that a lot. But sometimes that won't work, right? You may be in a situation where you don't have the energy. You may feel a little depressed. and So that don't work all the time, you know, yeah. but. You know, I have the waist there. I meditate. <clears throat> I don't do the typical, like, um, like, nah. Yeah. I meditate, whether it's in my car, whether it's before work, or whether it's whatever. I make sure I meditate as much as I possibly can. And I'm always, always, always mindful of uh, spending time for self. Yeah. Um, always mindful of spending time for self as much as I can, how often as I can. I'm not afraid to be selfish. I'm not afraid to <laughs> leave and deal with things on my own. Um, and then I also, I'm also just big on trying different forms of self-care to see what works for me. Um, because a lot of us give off these ideas and we give these self-care tips, but in actuality, what I do for what what Willis does for Willis is not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. What you, what you do for yourself is probably will not work for me, Yeah, you know? So I'm also in a place to where like, I'm just venturing off and doing all forms of self-care. Um, and all different types of therapy as well, just so I can figure out, you know, what works for me. Same with, you know, everyone else. You got to make sure you failing in all sorts of areas so you can figure out what you can actually succeed in. Damn. Shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have, um, I have, I have, uh, recently been able to like sit well with my failures, you know? I feel like once I like decided to be something other than like just a nine to five worker, and I ain't saying that I ain't saying that to you know clown nobody or you know or throw shade because I mean a job's a job, but I'm saying like you know and I wanted to like you know like say like you know and I was talking about like being one of those people who are you know respected amongst intellectuals and all that kind of stuff. I realized that a lot of failure comes with like trying to succeed. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So. So I'm yeah, I'm a person who 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 is no problem now sitting with my failures and saying, All right, that didn't work. 
Let's see what I can do next time. Or just keep going simply, you know, because yeah. five years ago, failing wouldn't have been an option. I, I like 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 me failing on one thing would have would have sent me in a month whirlwind of like just just dark thoughts. You know what I'm saying? But now, yeah. once you realize that, you know, um, everybody who who starts somewhere or who gets somewhere, you know, it, it it's it's all a process. You yeah. know, so, so I I definitely like that. You know, so you gotta fail at a lot to know what you're good at. To know what you see, yeah, that's uh-huh. dope. So, you mentioned something earlier about residential treatment. You know, what I'm saying. Now, I have this theory. You you can agree with me or not, but I have this theory that any kind of social worker, counselor, whatever person that works in mental health should be men should be mandated to work in a residential facility. I don't. Uh... I don't say necessarily a residential facility. Mm-hmm. I say do some type of community work. <laughs> okay, okay. And I mean whether you working for the county, whether you 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 got clients in your car and you taking them to the store, mm-hmm. you taking social security building. I recommend you know the community type of work where you're out and you're doing stuff in the field yeah. only because. Um, it, it, you really learn something about a patient when that individual is in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's thoroughly hard. Like, I remember back in grad school when I was doing that community stuff. I hated that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, and I was do, I went to graduate school in Cleveland. It was snowing. It was mm-hmm. a homeless population. Yeah. You know, I got these people who are doing drugs and who's schizophrenic, but I got them in my passenger seat. Mm-hmm. They can snatch this wheel and toss us off this interstate. Man. But you got to understand how to, you know, understand, you know, how to <clears throat> how to help a patient now, how to be empathetic, how to work with different folks, how to mm. do all of this other stuff. So, you know, residentials, residentials, yes, residentials are obviously big, you know. <laughs> For me, it's about community practice. Get your feet wet in that because... I feel like in that moment, you'll learn all of the skills. And you'll know if, if this is right for you or not. Yeah. Because community practice ain't for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> um, I hated that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah, I feel that, that's how I feel about residential. I feel like you're going to learn because there's so many, there are so many aspects of residential. Because even if you're, work, if, if you're working on a certain one, you know what I'm saying, you can have those trips where you go to the store. You know what I'm saying? Or like you know, if um, well, to me, it just builds empathy. It builds empathy. It builds a way to get quick on your feet. You know, what I'm saying like it builds a way, yep. like you know, be aware of your surroundings. It shows you that shit can really get real. You know, what I'm saying like it, like at the drop of a dime, you can you can be you can yeah. be going from eating dinner to you know um, having a cold where you know where shit's just yep. out of out of control. So, and yep. you know, and really just kind of make you aware. You know, like um, mm-hmm. I, I know, yeah, like I worked in the juvie, but you know, like you know, a lot of those kids have you know have like like you, you know that outward aggression to where like you know if I wasn't transparent, you know, I could get hurt. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And and just because you know, so like I learned, I, like I learned that it's important in this field for me to be transparent, you know, like that's one thing I like, like do not, don't make no promises you can't keep, you know what I'm saying? Don't just don't try to be controlling, just be transparent, be empathetic, you know, because yeah, I mean like, you know, if you got an eight hour shift and then, you know, the door shut behind you, (laughs) you know, you got it's It's survival mode, you know? And I feel like, like just like you said, you're going to learn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're going to learn so within point, the first couple months. Yeah, you know, in the first couple months, it, it's just yep. the kind of work I get, you know. And then it gets easier from there, you know. Like, it gets easier oh, from there, you know, because you sharpen your skills and community work, yeah. residential yeah. work, and then you kind of maybe move down to schools. Yeah. You maybe move down to, you know, private practice. And private practice, you know what I'm saying, all you're doing is doing the, you know, the you know the therapy, and then you send them on their way, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, so... So yeah, and I feel like, and I feel like those, like the residential and community based type of works in the field, I feel like those should be like the precursor to like you know private therapy and things like that. Because mm-hmm. the client base that you're dealing with, whether it's in residential centers or a community practice, their acuity and their and and, and how difficult the patient is going to be is much more higher, and you're going to begin to really 
you're going to begin to fully be involved within that person's life. So yeah. you're going to see why they're depressed. You're going to be able to feel why they're depressed because they got other things going on. So once you're doing the private practice, you're always going to be able to go back and see your days within the community or to your days into the residential and understand why certain skills are important. Mm-hmm. So you can be able to work within, you know, that therapeutic setting as best as possible. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a good way to build foundation, you know, mm-hmm. to build, to get them like them, uh, them, them hard skills, <laughs> yeah. you know? All right. Well, man, I appreciate you sitting down with me and connecting, uh, you know, I'm saying I'm trying to just put it all social workers out here. You know, what I'm saying so people know oh, we man. out here and then we, you gotta we come hustling. to LA, man. I gotta come to LA. It's only a two hour flight. I gotta come do it. I gotta come you out there. You have to come. I'm telling you, you have to come. Even if, even if I have to get you on my show, but I only do, um, I only do shows in person. Okay. Because you know, I'm big on the connection that we feel in person. So anytime you're in LA, I don't care if you come on here. Um, uh, Wednesday afternoon, man, I'll make sure that we can get in and get some stuff for our show because I can't pre-record the show. Yeah. Um, so that means even if you come, so you can be on the show. And also, I got some things that I'm working on, man. And, and I would love to have you involved with some of the things that I'm working on. So, oh, um, I thoroughly appreciate you for having me on your platform. You're going to be on my platform. We just got to get logistics right because, you know, it's therapy all over the place. Yes, but, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you kind of cut out a little bit at that moment, but hopefully we we, we got it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, you know yeah. how it is. <laughs> yes, sir. Like I said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank sir. You. And um, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you, you got something you want to plug real quick? Uh, sure. For right now, it's just my Instagram, man. Um, I tried Twitter. I don't. I can't. I'm not a fan of Twitter. Yeah. I tried Facebook. Not a fan of Facebook. Just Instagram, man. Instagram on my name, Willis Cooks, W-I-L-L-I-S, Cooks, C-O-O-K-S. It's my legal name. A lot of therapists don't like that I do that. I don't care. But yeah. <laughs> it's Willis Cooks. That's Instagram us and everything. Um, Chill with Radio. Every Sunday, um, it's live, 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. Um, and they're all they're all done through the Good News app. You have to download the app um, in order to get it. Or you can listen to it online. Or what you could also do is you could just look at it on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, I put it on YouTube. Um, every Wednesday, every show is recorded, and I upload them on Wednesday. If you don't have the ability to really look at it through the app, you can go on, you can go on YouTube, just search my name, search Chihuahua Radio, and all the stuff will pop up right there, my man. Yes, sir. Man, I appreciate you one more time. Man, I thoroughly appreciate you, man. Thoroughly appreciate thoroughly appreciate you, brother. All right, fam. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at you. Yes, sir. Continue doing the, the, the good job, man. Yes, sir. All right, player. All right, All right player. Peace, man. Appreciate you.